September 26th. As we look into the New Testament, our reading today will be from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Now, to give place to the devil is to allow unconfessed sin in your life that gives Satan an opportunity to take over. Some sins to avoid are discussed here in this chapter. Disunity is one. Believers are all one in Christ Jesus. But we got to endeavor to make that spiritual unity a practical reality in our daily lives. Satan uses people who like to have their own way. And then there is immaturity. Spiritual birth must lead to spiritual growth as we become more like Jesus Christ. If we are maturing in Christ, we will show it by being able to speak the truth in love. Satan is a liar and a murderer and has a difficult time being successful when believers practice truth and love. And then there is impurity. You've been set free from the old life. So why live in those old sins anymore? Anything evil from the old life that is brought into the new life will give the devil a beachhead. Paul names such things as lying, losing your temper, stealing, corrupt speech, bitterness, and an unforgiving spirit. These sins invite Satan into your life, and they hurt you, they harm the church, and grieve the Spirit of God. Is it worth it? Of course not. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. September 26th, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. With the Lord's authority, let me, Paul, say this. Live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their closed minds are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They don't care any more about right and wrong, and they have given themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. But that isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ. Since you have heard all about Him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new nature because you are a new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. So put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He is the one who has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
just as God through Christ has forgiven. Every Christian is called to be God's servant and should strive to serve with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. In Luke 9.62, Jesus said, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling us not to look back at the world and our old way of life, but to keep looking to God for all things. He seems to be speaking mainly to those in ministry, however, it applies equally to all believers. Even though everyone is not called into ministry, all believers are called to be servants for life. The Bible does not mention part-time Christians, part-time service or early retirement for anyone. Once a person accepts God's call into ministry, he becomes God's servant for life and should continue in service for as long as he or she is able. Once we have put our hand to the plough, we should not look back, otherwise we will drift off the path God has chosen for us. If we long for what we have left behind, we will soon become worldly and backslide to become unfit for service in the kingdom of God. Our focus must always be on God and how to serve Him better. Regarding going into ministry, Jesus warns those who wanted to follow him that he had no place to lay his head, and if anyone wanted to follow him, then they must leave their old life behind. Elisha is a perfect example of the attitude needed by a person accepting God's call into ministry. In 1 Kings 19, 19-21, we are told that Elijah anointed Elisha to succeed him as prophet. At that time, Elisha was ploughing with his oxen. After Elijah anointed him, he went home to say goodbye to his family. He then slaughtered his oxen and burnt his ploughing equipment to cook the meat as a feast for the people. Then, after burning his bridges, he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. Elisha knew he was going into ministry for life, so he completely cut himself off from his old way of life. He left family, friends cattle and land to serve the Lord. Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's Luke 9.23. Elisha denied himself all things and completely relied upon God. Not all who go into ministry remain faithful. For example, Balaam loved the world more than he loved God and he became wicked. Initially, going into ministry may not be such a hard thing to do but it can become very testing. It seems that when we first go into ministry, and also when we first get saved, we go through a honeymoon period with the Lord. We strongly sense the Lord's presence and everything goes very well. I floated on clouds for ages. However, after a while, the Lord withdraws those feelings somewhat and the honeymoon ends, so to speak, because God wants us to live by faith, not feelings. Now I'd like to talk about continuing in faith. Some years ago I quit work and went into full-time service for the Lord. In Mark 10:29 and 30, Jesus promises to provide for anyone who, like Elisha, leaves everything for him and the gospel. He said, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. For many years I had no trouble believing this promise, 
but with age my faith has weakened at times. It is easy to trust in something that is a long way off, but the real test of faith comes when we are face to face with the situation. Jesus' disciples were very confident that they would not desert him, but they soon scattered in fear when he was arrested. In the same way, my faith is being tested as I face old age. This testing of my faith resulted in serious agitation at times and a complete lack of peace for long periods. Recently, worrying that the Lord would not provide for me, I considered getting work to stop my bank account from emptying, but that thought brought an even greater lack of peace. After much prayer, I came to understand how I was sinning against God. I was seriously offending Him in two ways. Firstly, I had previously fully committed myself to Him, but now I was considering going back into the world and removing myself from His service. Numbers 30 verse 2 came to mind and heavily convicted me. It says, When a man makes a vow to the Lord, or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. If I went back to work, then I would be breaking my word, and that would make me a liar. Secondly, I was calling God a liar, because I was no longer trusting his promise to provide for those who had left everything for him and the gospel. It's no wonder that I had no peace. God doesn't like being lied to or being called a liar, so it is easy to see why he had taken my peace away. Thankfully, once I came to see that my weak faith was leading me into great error, I repented, and needless to say, the peace of God returned. There is no doubt that in the future I will waver from time to time, but big mistakes leave big scars, and I'm not likely to forget this lesson in a hurry. Finally, when we look back, it is always easy to see our error. But the truth of the matter is, sin often creeps up and can overcome us like cancer. It starts out small, but if we don't deal with it quickly, then it will grow and cause us to sin. A lack of peace is a sure sign that there is sin between us and God. He always removes our peace when we sin. Sin can start out small, but if it is not quickly repented of, then it can soon cause big problems. A lie can utterly destroy relationships. Dislike can lead to hate and even murder. A lingering look or touch can lead to lust and immorality. A covetous thought can lead to theft or jealousy or worse. And our emotions can lead us into error, just like my fear led to unbelief. For this reason, if we want to keep our hand on the plough and honour God, then we have to keep our eyes on Jesus and deal with sin as soon as the Spirit convicts us. As soon as we lack peace, we should ask God why He has taken our peace away. In this experience of mine, I was far too slow in seeking God, and I suffered for it. I should have looked to Him much, much sooner. I have an article on hearing and following the Lord's voice called The Way of Peace at the following link. Please note that this article is about my personal walk with the Lord. I am not saying that it is wrong to be in ministry and work at the same time. Paul worked as a tent maker during his ministry. This article can be downloaded under the heading blog articles at the following link. It can also be read online at the following link. Amen. The new. Psalm 69 
verses 1 through 18. Psalm 69 begins with sinking, but it ends with singing. It goes from prayer to praise, from reproach to rejoicing, because David poured out his heart to the Lord. No matter how painful your situation may be, tell God exactly how you feel. And this is a messianic psalm. Out of David's sufferings, the Lord revealed his Son. One purpose God has in allowing his people to suffer is that they might become more like Jesus Christ, and that makes it all worthwhile. In attacking King David, the enemy, they were also rebelling against God and inviting their own judgment. Now, it's not easy to bear reproach because we want to be accepted and approved by others. But in the battle against sin, God's soldiers are often falsely accused and lied about. When this happens to you, remember that it also happened to David and to Jesus. You're in good company. Psalm 69, verses 1 through 18. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be sung to the tune, Lilies. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold to stand on. I'm in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched and dry. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs on my head. These enemies who seek to destroy me are doing so without cause. They attack me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. O oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Don't let those who trust in you stumble because of me, O oh Sovereign Lord Almighty. Don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O oh God of Israel, for I am mocked and shamed for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my face. Even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. Passion for your house burns within me. So those who insult you are also insulting me. When I weep and fast before the Lord, they scoff at me. When I dress in sackcloth to show sorrow, they make fun of me. I am the favorite topic of town gossip, and all the drunkards sing about me. But I keep right on praying to you, Lord, hoping this is the time you will show me favor. In your unfailing love, O God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Pull me out of the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Rescue me from those who hate me, and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me, or the deep waters swallow me, or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Turn and take care of me for your mercy is so plentiful. Don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and rescue me. Free me from all my enemies. Proverbs 24, verses 5 and 6. A wise man is mightier than a strong man, and a man of knowledge is more powerful than a strong man. So don't go to war without wise guidance. 
Victory depends on having many counselors.